Hi, this is Robert Fleming, one of the partners at Fleming & Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona elder law firm. One of the other partners, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, is sitting across from me, and you're listening to us and elder law issues. One of the topics that we deal with pretty often, Elizabeth, as you know, is people planning for their own burial, cremation. Maybe what they want is to be set afire on a Viking ship and uh, and launched into the sound. Um, how do we, how do these decisions about who is going to make the final decision about burial arrangements and what those burial arrangements are going to be? How do those decisions actually get made? You know, Robert, it's great that you're asking this question because there's often a lot of confusion around things like cremation and whether or not that is something that somebody has to make a provision for in his or her documents. There are also questions around who pays for these kinds of things and who needs to be the one talking to the mortuary or the one who is making arrangements to get somebody's remains back to the place where they want to be buried or where they want their ashes to be scattered. What I tell people a very important initial question is, do you have strong feelings about what happens to your body when you die? And that just opens up the conversation. For the people who do not, then my next question is, is do you have any feelings about or preferences about if you want to be cremated? Most of those people say, yes, I want to be cremated. When I ask for other details, people who don't really care about what happens to their body say, well, they can do whatever, whoever it is can do whatever they want with my remains. That's one category of people. The other category of people that we routinely work with are folks who have very specific requests, maybe around cremation, maybe around where they want to be scattered or if they want to be scattered with pets or spouse or children. There are incredibly important details that some people want to have in their documents. When that's the case, Robert, we we oftentimes say, all right, the best place to put this information is in your will. We're also going to give your agent under your health care power of attorney a heads up if you want to be cremated because that's important for them to know. I think those are you know those big questions about what do you want to have happen with your body help really direct us into the right lane as far as follow-up. I, I was surprised some years ago to learn what rate of, uh, of cremation, let me try that sentence again, what the rate of cremation is in Arizona. Uh, it's more than two-thirds of, of decedents are cremated in Arizona today, and it's an, a continually increasing number. Nationally, it's, we're one of the higher states, so it's more like half, a little bit more than half of, of people. And there are still states where only 25% or maybe a third of people are, are cremated. Uh, so there's quite a lot of variation, but, uh, but cremation has growing acceptance. One of the things that clients of ours often say is that they're going to donate their body to science. Because, you know, science is out there on the street corner accepting bodies. Um, oh, Robert. Oh, well, you know what? I, I will tell you, when we do have clients who come in and want to talk about donating donated a body, or very specifically, possibly a brain or a specific kind of organ, there are brain banks, for instance, all across the country that um, are parts of different medical um, medical institutions and and uh, med schools. My own Har- my own father went to Harvard, as it turned out, huh. after he died, huh. or at least his brain did. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Learn something new every day. And that was something that he wanted to do. He and my mother both 
um, signed documents indicating that they they would will their their brains to Harvard. Uh, and that's really in furtherance of what you're saying that yeah, there are some specific things that they were being uh, he was being tested for Alzheimer's and uh, and there was enough of a concern that he wanted to to have his family have the comfort of that. But the key here is that he made those arrangements. He made those arrangements before he died. And therefore, it was very easy to implement them. Anytime you want to leave your body or your brain or your eyes or whatever to science, it's it's critically important that you make the actual arrangements yourself before you die in order to make sure that it gets carried out. And Robert, something I tell people is there is always a chance that your body may not be accepted. There's always a chance that the program may no longer be in existence. So if that happens, then what? And so we try and talk a little bit about that. I think it's important too to think about those families that we work with, Robert, where there are kids and stepkids and grandkids and grandkids twice removed. And those are also important family situations to address if somebody has strong feelings about their remains. You know, do you want your remains to be divided up? You want your ashes to be provided to your son and daughter and stepson? What's going to happen with your ashes, with your remains when you die? You know, that's important for families who have blended families, Robert, where they don't want to cause friction or confusion, and they think that, you know, having some clarification around who's going to be in charge and who may actually be able to take remains to be scattered, um, that's something to, important to address, too. It's not just what happens with your body. If you don't do anything, if you don't make arrangements, you don't express your wishes, uh, then your your body really becomes property, and it belongs not to the people you name in your will, but to your next of kin. So uh, maybe that the, the next of kin who you have been estranged from for years could be the people making the decision about whether you will be cremated or whether you'll be shipped back to the family plot in upstate New York. Um, you may have strong feelings about which of those you would prefer. And if you don't say, somebody else is going to be making that decision. And Robert, sometimes we see folks say, well, I don't really care. I just, I want to make my spouse happy. Well, (laughs) what happens if your spouse dies before you do or your spouse is incapacitated? That doesn't really help. And so this is actually something that I, I usually spend a few minutes with every estate planning client talking about. The real concern that I have for many people when we work with them, Robert, is that sometimes folks dream up plans that are going to be very, very hard to orchestrate on their death. You know, I had Wait, some, you mean it's going to be hard to be buried in my 1962 Cadillac? And then you know, the Cadillac will be on a ferry out in Puget Sound <laughs> so that you can smell, smell the, the uh, crisp air. No, Robert, I mean, it is... It is a serious thing. People really have sometimes some over-the-top wishes about how they want their remains to be disposed of. And, and I do talk to people sometimes about the cost of it. Um, it's important to realize that this would be an expense of your estate. And so for people who realize that, oftentimes they pause and, and try and simplify a bit. A couple of things to note. A lot of our clients say they would like to be cremated and scattered maybe up on Mount Lemon or in the Sawao National Park or maybe some other park where they grew up. And if you are going to have your ashes scattered in a public place, in a, in a federal or state land uh, space, you have to get a permit 
to do it legally at least. What? So, so uh, and and you're probably not going to get that permit. You're you're not going to get it, but your family is not going to get it. So um, to say, I want to be scattered from Windy Point on Mount Lemmon is uh, eh, no, you can't do that because it's national forest land. Saguaro National Park eh, can't do that because it's a national park. Um, and the other thing is that there are legitimately places where even even if you could do it, you should not countenance doing it. They may be um, they may be sacred spaces for Native American tribes, for instance, and and uh, and and it's just inappropriate for you to have your ashes scattered there. Um, and uh, and here's the last thing I want to just make reference to. A lot of people don't realize. It's actually not that complicated to be buried in your own backyard. Uh, okay, maybe if you live downtown Tucson, that's a, that's not a very wise idea. But if you have a space somewhere, uh, you know, a ranch, a, a big, big space somewhere out in the countryside, there are mechanisms for getting a permit to do family burials on the property. Um, might have an effect on the saleability of the land, but um, but if you really love that land and you want to stay with it for all time, um, well, that may be an option too. Wow, Robert. I, I, I can't say I'm excited about thinking about my end of life uh, planning and making my own arrangements if I think about all these rules. I hope Doug just looks the other way. Well, and I, and I have to tell you that no matter what your plans are, we're taking your 1962 Cadillac and burying you in a traditional casket instead. So Doug and I have already talked that through. <laughs> All right, folks, we are trying to be a little lighthearted about a, a difficult subject. And, uh, and it's one that's very important to a lot of our clients while they're doing the planning. If you have strong feelings, you need to tell your lawyer in the course of doing estate planning so they can give you some advice about how to assure that your strong feelings are carried out. And on that note, we will leave the, uh, the, the happy topic of burial and disposition of human remains uh, for maybe some follow-up questions later. This is Robert Fleming. I'm one of the sometimes somewhat macabre partners at uh, Fleming & Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona elder law firm. And my equally macabre partner is Elizabeth Noble Rollins Freeman. You're listening to Elder Law Issues. We hope you will again. Thanks. <laughs>